Good evening, uh, brothers and sisters. Welcome to this online service. We've been talking about not just entering into the promised land, but it's even more important that we are able to stay in the promised land to continue to build uh, the holy nation and advance the kingdom of God. So to do that, we learned that the continuity of godly leadership is very important because that's how God rules, that's how God governs uh, on this earth to his leader. And then to, to be able to remember God's deliverance, his mighty acts in time past, so that we will continue to trust him, to love him, to obey all his commands. And then to, to remember God's discipline, because there will be rebellious people, there will be people who refuse to submit to the leadership and want to do their own things and create a lot of problem and division. So we need to know God's discipline so that we will not associate ourselves with people who are rebellious and suffer the same consequence as them. And this evening, I just want to uh, look at this example that how we can take possession of the promised land and lose it all. And then we will continue to find out how we can continue to be successful in the promised land. So this has to do with the half-tribe of Manasseh. Remember, the Gatites, the Reubenites, and half-tribe of Manasseh. They are very powerful, successful, and they know how to plan for themselves, and they decided to stay on this east side of Jordan rather than going into the promised land. And uh, so, but the problem is, the half-tribe of Manasseh was not able to continue to be faithful to God. And as a result, let's read it in First Chronicles 5, verse 23. The people of the half-tribe of Manasseh were numerous. They settled in a land from Bashan to Baal Hermon, that is to Sinner Mount Hermon. Verse 25. But they were unfaithful to the God of their ancestors and prostituted themselves to the gods of the people of the land whom God had destroyed before them. So the Lord, the God of Israel, stirred up the spirit of Paul, king of Assyria, who took the Reubenites and Gatites and the half-tribe of Manasseh into exile. He took them to Halal, Haber, Hara, and the rivers of Gazan, where they are to this day. So the half-tribe of Manasseh is the one who is unfaithful and followed the gods of this uh, land that they have taken over. But the Gatites and Reubenites, because they associated with this half-tribe of Manasseh, as a result, they too suffered the same fate. They too were also taken into exile, the land destroyed, taken over by the enemies. So can you see, when you associate with the wrong people, 
you suffer the same consequence. And uh, so we 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 want to learn how we can continue to be successful. We don't want to inherit the promised land and then later on down one generation is gone or, or later is gone. But we want to make sure that the promised land that we have inherited will continue to flourish, will continue to prosper and continue to advance the kingdom of God. So, to do that, it's so important to, that we stay as one, as a holy nation, as one nation. You see, these two and a half tribes, they were separated from the rest. They were not together. And we see the consequence, we see the danger and the consequence. So in order to keep this nation together, now that they have entered into the individual uh, inheritance, to keep this nation together, God has given them a command that they are to sacrifice to worship God in a specific place that God has chosen. Okay, let's read it. Deuteronomy 12 verse 2. Destroy completely all the places on the high mountains, on the hills, and under every spreading tree, where the nations you are dispossessing worship their gods. Verse 4, You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, but you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to put His name there for His dwelling. To that place you must go. If you look at this verse, this command of God, it sounds very impractical. And is it necessary? God is everywhere. Can't the different tribes worship their God in their own land? Why do they have to be so troublesome? travel all the way, crossing the Jordan from different places and only go to one specific place where God has chosen. After all, God is everywhere. You know, I worship at home. I don't go to church. You know, I mean, what's the point? People go to church, you think they are so holy. You think they are so devoted to God. It's no meaning, right, if your heart is not there. You know, I worship God, I pray to God, I love God. But I don't go to church. God is everywhere. You see, people will talk like that. They justify their own ways rather than following God's way. Right? But God has put us together as a church. And He has said we are members of the body. He said, one, man, one part of the body suffer, the whole body suffer. You know, that kind of intertwined relationship, one as one, is not what we normally practice in church. We have a superficial association, but not that kind of intimate relationship. But God wants this kind of relationship. And He's telling the nations, hey, you cannot worship like the nations. You cannot simply set up 
altar when, whenever, wherever you are. But you must go to the specific place where I have chosen. What's the reason? I believe God wants to keep these nations together because He's after the nation. He is after that holy nation. And that's why He commanded, this is the way they should go. This is the way that they should worship. And then when we come to worship, we are there to sacrifice. We bring our whatever sacrifice, whatever offerings we want, we bring it there to give. We don't go there to take. Some people keep going from one place to another to seek for better blessing, greater blessing, right? They listen to messages here and there. But they're not belonging to, to anywhere. Their heart is not rooted in the place that God has set for them. Oh, they, 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 yeah, they, they are our church member, but their heart is here, there, everywhere. But God said to the place where He is assigned for you, to that place you will worship. So, when we come, we come to give. We come to sacrifice. Some people, they only want to receive. Or oh, whether these messages suit me. Oh, I'm not receiving what I want to hear. So they keep looking. But we want to hear what God wants to say. We want to hear what God wants us to do, to obey. You see, God blesses us in our daily walk, wherever we are, in our workplace. When we follow Him, when we obey Him, when we serve Him, He will bless us. And then when we come together, we bring the blessing that He has given to us to come and sacrifice, to come and give, and to share with, with the priests, the Levites, with no inheritance of their own, to glorify God's name, to be that holy nation, that royal priesthood, that declare the praises of Him to the nations. So let's read it, Deuteronomy 12, 6. There, the place where God has chosen, bring your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, what you have vowed to give and your free will offering and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. Verse 7, There in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your families shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you have put your hands to because the Lord your God has blessed you. Verse 8, You are not to do as we do here today, everyone as he sees fit. Since you have not yet reached the resting place and the inheritance the Lord your God is giving you, but you will cross the Jordan and settle in the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and He will give you rest from all your enemies around you so that you will live in safety. Then the place the Lord your God will choose 
as a dwelling for His name. There you are to bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, your tithes and special gifts, and all the choice possessions you have vowed to the Lord. And there rejoice before the Lord your God. You, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites from your towns who have no allotment or inheritance of their own. Verse 13, be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings anywhere you please. Offer them only at a place the Lord will choose in one of your tribes. And there observe everything I commanded you. So can you see, when they come to sacrifice, it's not like us driving, take out our e-wallet and give. They have to travel long distance on the road with their animals maybe. And if they can't, then they have to exchange money and then go to the place where they are, God has chosen to worship and buy animals from there and to sacrifice. They have to bring their wits, harvest. Can you see how troublesome it is to come and worship the Lord? But this is what they are to do. Doesn't God know it's so troublesome? Doesn't, wasn't God in wherever they dwell? And choose a place nearer to them, convenient for them to worship? But God has chosen this way to test whether we will obey Him, we will follow Him, or whether it's just, it's just following ourselves, lip service, with all the reasoning. Oh, you know, God is everywhere. God is, yeah, it's true. You know, when we cannot, but when we can, what do we do? Okay, so to keep possession of the promised land, we need to be together. We need to unite together as one holy nation. And then secondly, we have to keep God's way of governance. God's way of governance. Remember, God governed through His leaders. He appoints leaders. When you come against a leader, watch out. You're coming against Him. And uh, so, after Moses appointed Joshua, and when Joshua took over, he never appointed a successor. There was no continuity of leadership. Isn't that strange? Joshua will obey God in all God's command, who is faithful to God, and yet he did not appoint a successor. And as a result, what happened? We know. Just one generation later, the nations, each one do what they think is right in their own eyes. Rather than following God, rather than following God's command, it didn't last very long because there's no leader. And why didn't Joshua appoint a leader? I was just thinking. And then, I guess because Joshua think that once they arrive at the promised land, the mission is completed. Job is done. Now you just worship God, right? Me and my household, my household, we will serve the Lord. 
but he didn't leave. Left behind a successor, so that the whole nation will come to one place. The whole nation will worship God together as a nation. That's God's command. So we know it didn't work. And also later on, judges we know Gideon. Wow, that mighty warrior. When we mention Gideon, mighty warrior. But we don't realize Gideon was also not successful. He wins the, the, the battle, but loses the war. During his time, the nation prospered. But he didn't appoint a successor after he left. This one of his sons, out of the relationship with a concubine, rise up and destroy his family, destroy the land eventually. Let's read about it. Judges 8, verse 23. Kedian coming to end of his retirement, he said to the nation, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. When we hear that, oh, we say, hallelujah, wow, what a great leader. You know, he, he is not there to build his kingdom. Well, he may have good intention. He may have served the Lord with a pure heart, not after his own. But he doesn't understand God's way of, of ruling over the nations. He said, God will rule over you. How? In church, have you seen God ruling over his church? When, when was the last time you see him? Whenever have you seen him ruling his church? He ruled it to his leader. You, what you see is the pastor. What you see is the leader in the church. It sounds very spiritual. To say, God will rule over you. I will not rule over you. But that was his greatest mistake. He fought many battles and delivered the, 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 the nations from the Midianites. Won the battle, but loses the war. The nation, after he left, was, was ruined rather than going from strength to strength. So, look at verse 28, Judges 8, 28. Thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace 40 years. During Gideon's lifetime, Jerubbaal, son of Joash, that's Gideon, went back home to live while well, retirement. He had 70 sons of his own. For he had many wives. Can you see? 40 years of peace. 40 wasted years. Instead of building the next successor to take over the land to rule, he just wasted that 40 years of opportunities. Just maintain the status quo. And then he has 70 sons. Isn't there, out of these 70 sons, there could be one leader 
who will rise up and take over from the Father to continue to lead the nation, offering himself for national service. Can you see how pathetic the situation has turned out to be? It could have been if only he has deliberately raised up the next successor. So sometimes our spiritual mindset is not right. You know, it sounds so noble. We will not live, uh, rule over you. My sons will not rule over you. It sounds so noble. Good intention, but totally out of line with what God is teaching us in His Word. So, can you see, succession has to come by deliberate planning. Even though he has 70 sons, he didn't plan for it, it didn't happen. Right? Succession has got to come by deliberate planning. So what happened after he's, he's gone? Judges 8.31 His concubine who lived in Sikkim also bore him a son whom he named Abimelech. Gideon son of Jehaz died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of his father and so on. Okay, let's jump to Judges 9 verse 1. Abimelech, son of Jerobel, that means Gideon, went to his mother's brother in Sikkim and said to them and to all his mother's kind, ask all the citizens of Sikkim, which is better for you to have all 70 of Jerobel's son rule over you or just one man? Remember, I am your flesh, flesh and blood. Verse 3. When the brothers repeated all this to the citizens of Sikkim, they were inclined to follow Abimelech. For they said, he is related to us. So can you imagine, when it comes to family relationship, blood ties, over against God's will, what God wants, people just fail. It's almost an impossible situation to make the right decision because they always run after blood ties, blood relationship. And here it is. Abimelech go to his clan, his people, those who are related to him, and asked for support. And they supported him, not because he's the right person, not because he's a good person, but because he's related to them. Right? So, and that's why it's, it's almost an impossible war to win when you're in that kind of situation. Even Solomon, the great servant of God, great king who has such wisdom, in those situations, also left, choose to follow Baal, follow the, the wives, rather than stand firm and obeying God's command. Somehow, the family relationship overrules godly wisdom in his life. So, unfortunately, that's what a lot of times that's what happened in church. The blood is thicker than spirit, the Holy Spirit and the Word. Only very few, very, very few men 
can stem from and make the right decision. Men like the Apostle Paul, he said, I count everything but them that I may gain Christ. That kind of man will be able to make the right decision. You know, when Paul, he's a Pharisee, he has a family. And when he was converted, we, 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 we guess this is the situation because he wrote, when the unbelieving wife wants to leave you, let her go. So when she went back, can you imagine? You are a Pharisee, you are devoted Jews and so on, and now you come back with a different gospel, totally different. And he has to make the choice to choose Christ, to gain Christ over against everything else. And that's, that's what he has written. And men like that will make the right decision. All the time I see people even though they know it's a wrong decision, even though they are just following their blood relationship, you know, maybe their brothers, their sister, their, 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 their children, their, but they, they, they choose to follow them rather than God. They say, I got no choice. Oh, this is my family. I got no choice. This is my brother, my children, my, I got no choice. I have to. How sad, how sad. In my years of uh, pastoring, you know, I know others were stand firm, but one brother stood, stood up in my mind because he was under such tremendous pressure by family members to, to follow them. And he struggled, and he, he really struggled. And one day after I print, finished preaching a message, he come and he hugged me so... Now, this is a China man, huh? This is not... A, <laughs> no, Western, this is a China man. He has never had, you know, uh, at least I've never seen him. Okay, he come, he really give me a good heart because the word of God really helped him and be set free from that kind of pressure that, that, the, that the other parties are exerting, exerting on him to follow. He stood firm. He stood for, he's still with us in our church. I salute him. I honor him. May the Lord bless such a man mightily because of their faithfulness, because standing firm in God's ways. Okay, so in order for us to, to stay long in the land to continue success, in the land we've got to be united as one nation. We've got to plan our succession well. And also we've got to protect, protect the succession plan. You know, in the case of David, he has already, God has already told him, Solomon will succeed him to build the temple. In fact, the Bible also tells us God loves Solomon. So God has chosen Solomon. David knew. But when he get old, even such godly men, such men who serve God with all of their hearts, somehow they are weak points. So we read in 1 King 1, 1 King 1, verse 5. 
Now, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, this is David's, one of David's sons, put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father, who is he? David, King David. His father had never rebuked him by asking, why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. Okay, so you know, this is David's family. His father had never rebuked him by asking, why do you behave as you do? Can you imagine, David, such godly man, when it comes to family relationship, somehow there is a weak point there. Okay, he, he never, he knew. Well, probably he doesn't know everything what Adonijah is up to, but he knows something. But he never stopped him. What a tragedy. If this thing was not stopped, David would have destroyed his family. He would have destroyed the kingdom that he has been building. Adonijah would have divided and killed the rest of his family, divide to rule. Just like Abimelech that we have read about. You know, he killed seven, he killed all the sons of, of Gideon except the younger one who managed to escape. Can you imagine? Kill all his half-brothers, 79 of them. So, here we have David's son, Adonijah, put himself as king. And his father never rebuilt him, never stopped to rebuild him. Wow. So, leader, we need... Other leaders who are knowledgeable, who have wisdom, who are with us, so that we know how to uh, complete the succession plan. The inaction could have resulted in the destruction of God's plan and destiny for the nation. So we have people in church. You know, when things happen, people are talking, dividing the church. They didn't come and stop. They didn't come and intervene. They didn't rebuild them. When things is happen and, and, and it's come to the blow, then they say, oh, I know this right from the start. I know what they are saying. Now they talk. You know, they are the most guilty person, wicked person, because they didn't stop the thing when, when they could have. Or at least, you know, speak on God's behalf. David didn't do it. And he's a king. But the prophet Nathan knew about it. And the prophet Nathan came and looked for Solomon's mother. And they designed a, a plan how to talk to David talk to, uh, until he come to his senses. So, look at what Adonijah did in 1 Kings 1.9. Adonijah then sacrificed sheep cattle and fattened calves at the stone of Zohileh near Enroge. Roger. 
He invited all his brothers, the king's son, and all the royal officials of Judah, but he did not invite Nathan the prophet or Benaiah or the special guard of his brother Solomon, or all his brother Solomon. So you see, these people, those who want to divide and rule, they know how to manipulate. They know how to divide. Whoever support them, oh, they are friends, they are brothers. Whoever does not support them, well, they are left out of the picture. And, and they act very spiritual. Wow, there were great sacrifices being offered. But they are trying to uh, rise up to rule by their own, own, own schemes and plans. And so we must be proactive, right? We must be proactive. We must intervene. We must act because we love the house of God. We love the, the, the holy nation. You know, we want to preserve the kingdom of God. So Nathan, I told you, sprung to action and finally they talked to David and David declared publicly that Solomon, his son, will be the king, will be the successor. And they proclaimed to the nation. And that stopped the confusion. That stopped the division. Because the other party immediately ran for their life. They know they cannot continue in these this, this, uh, schemes. Right? So we got to act decisively, intervene when we face this kind of situation to protect the nation. One nation to protect the leader that God has appointed so that the succession plan would be complete according to God's plan and desire. And so, if we, if we follow this pattern, you know, we will be able to keep the promised land, we will be able to continue to build one generation after another after another. We will have, we will prepare clear line of succession. You know, it has to come deliberately to keep the nations together and uh, protect that unity from people who want to divide and rule. So I trust that this will give us understanding how we should carry on into the next generation and pray that the succession plan in this church will be successful and completed in the right time. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelation. We pray, oh God, that for your people that we will know how to unite together deliberately according to your purpose. We will know how to obey you and that this church will be one. That the enemy's plan, enemy's lies and deception in the minds of your people will be destroyed and frustrated once for all in the name of Jesus. But your people will be able to Unite under the, your leadership, under the leadership that you assigned. And we will know how to continue from one generation to another. And Lord, that your plan and purpose will continue to be lived out in this church through us. To be a testimony to the nations. Bless us, O oh God. Bless the leadership. Bless what we're doing and pray that the succession plan 
will take will come into place in its right time, in its right moment. We thank you, Lord. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, the Lord bless you. We can be dismissed. See you again next week.